We started off last Sunday uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, towards the latter part of chapter 1. Uh, did not get very far, actually. Uh, I want to see if we can finish up what the Lord had put on my heart uh, to begin last week. We want to be in, uh, going to start in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians this morning, verse 1. We talked about last week from the latter part of 1 Corinthians how we need to remember where we came from. We, we don't ever need to forget, if, you, if you're a Christian today, you don't ever need to forget where you were before you found and accepted the love and the grace of Jesus. You don't need to forget that you were broken. You don't need to forget that you were hurting. You don't need to forget that you felt alone. You don't need to forget all of the things that were in your life because sometimes we have a tendency to forget after a season of time, how broken we were. We, we have a tendency to forget how alone we were. And when we forget where we were, it's hard for us to then respond with the kind of grace and compassion that God wants us to use with others who are in that space right now, in that moment in their life. As we gather here in this room today, I have no doubt, and it's not because I've talked to anyone, it's just because this is a gathering of human beings, that there are people in this room who are so broken today that all they're doing is putting on a mask of having it all together this morning. They have no idea what they're going to do when they get out of this room today. There are people in this room like that, and you probably would not be able to guess who they are. There are people in this room today that were in so much pain that it was hard for them to even get here today. You don't know how much physical pain or emotional pain they're going through because we have all learned how to cover those things up, how to put on the mask, how to build those walls. We've all learned how to portray ourselves for others as if we have it all together. And, and that's what we talked about last week. We live in an age of social media. We put our personal highlight reel out for everybody to see while we carefully hold back the things that make us human and that make us uh, broken and make us vulnerable. We don't want to many times show our vulnerabilities. And yet many times by not doing that, we alienate people who are so hungry and so thirsty because they look at when they come into church services, not just our church, but church services all across America today, they look around and we all dress up and act like we got it all together. And so people who are hurting and broken and have tried this thing again and again and again come in and they say, well, look, it's no good for me to go to church because all these people have it all together. They don't have a problem in the world. They, don't, they, they have great faith. They, have, they just understand the Bible. They get it all together. Why, look at them worship. Well, they seem to have everything together. They got such a close relationship with God. Why, God just, they just, everything's right in their world. What I want to tell you today is if you came in into this place and you think that, and by the way, I can go ahead and speak for any other place because it is the human condition. That is absolutely not true. Not even close to reality. There are some people in this room who are walking in peace and comfort and confidence and strength, but the only reason they're doing that is because they lean heavily into Jesus every single day of their life. And there are a lot of people in this room today who are leaning as heavily as they can into Jesus right now, but they are still so broken they don't know what they're going to do when they get out of here. You just don't know it because they're afraid to show it. And we should never be afraid. We need to remember where we came from, and we need to remember whose we are. The only thing that makes us great, any of us, is that Jesus loves us. You say, well, that's great that Jesus loves you. Well, Jesus loves us all. He loves you. Second thing we talked about last week is that Jesus is our everything. He's not just something that we've tacked on to the end of our lives as Christians, and, and, and that now He makes our life complete. He is everything we could have everything else in this world together and be messing jesus and we would be messing everything because jesus is our everything jesus isn't just another religion he's not just something that we tack on for sunday morning and sunday night and wednesday night he's not just somebody that we go run into when everything's falling apart jesus is our world or he should be jesus is our everything you may not you may not act that way but the truth is you're going to find that out or else you will die without knowing that. But the truth is, Jesus is our everything. And we don't need to forget that. So in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, And I, brethren, talking to the church at Corinth, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring you the to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As a matter of fact, in verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. 
My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, we talked, we just touched on this last week, but it wasn't that Paul didn't have knowledge. The Bible tells us that in Paul's background, he was schooled at the feet of Gamaliel, who was one of the most intellectual teachers of his day and time, highly respected. And Paul had been schooled at his feet. That means that he was more than just the average student. He was probably a very close disciple of Gamaliel. So Paul was a very smart man. He had a great sense of intellect. Paul not only was a very smart man, but he's a very religious man. When Paul describes himself before he came to Christ, he said he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews and a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Now that means that Paul was a part of the most religious sect in Judaism. He would have memorized all of the Old Testament. He would know it by heart and could repeat it to you. Not only would he have known all of the Old Testament, not only was he a very smart and a very intellectual man, but he was very passionate for his religion. So much so that he went out and persecuted the New Testament church when it began because they felt like that was a sect or, or a cult that wasn't the true way. And so he went out and persecuted the church before he met Christ. So Paul, when he says, I didn't come to you with persuasive speech or human wisdom, it wasn't because he couldn't. It's because he chose not to. He wanted to do something else. When Paul says, I refuse to preach anything among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, it wasn't because that's all he knew. <laughs> it's because that was all that mattered. And he understood that. And when he says, when I came to you, I came in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, that doesn't necessarily mean that Paul, when he showed up, he was afraid and intimidated. It, it means he came in the opposite of self-confidence. He came in the opposite, the exact total opposite of pride and arrogance. He came in the, he, he didn't come trying to impress. Wouldn't it be awesome, not only especially for churches all across America, but if every day we just stopped trying to impress everybody else? Wouldn't it be great if we could get up and not even think about wondering what somebody else thought about us or what somebody else was going to respond to us or if I didn't say everything just right and do everything just right, how anybody else was going to feel. But if the only person we were concerned about and the only one on our mind was Jesus, wouldn't it be great if we could just get that together when we were coming to actually worship Jesus? Because did you know that today if we're doing this right, you did not come here just to hear me preach or anybody else? You didn't come here just to greet and fellowship with other believers. That's all good and it's a part of what we're doing. You came here to worship Jesus. If we did this right today, then what this day has been about ultimately is Jesus. You say, well, I don't like that because, man, I need my needs met. I got stuff. But you see, you don't understand. That's why Paul said, all I preach is Jesus and Him crucified. Because if we get Jesus, we get healing. If we get Jesus, we get hope. If we get Jesus, we get wisdom. If we get Jesus, we get freedom. If we get Jesus, we get all those things that we think we need so much. But if we go seeking all those things and we met Je mess excuse me, Jesus, then we mess all of those things too. Because he's the only source. So Paul made a choice. He said, I'm not trying to impress you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to lay aside. He says this to, in the book of Philippians. He said, I'm laying aside all those things that I used to think were gain for me. And I count them as worse than garbage for the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. That I may lay hold of that for which Jesus has laid hold of me. That's all I'm living for. So Paul makes the point, he said, guys, I am on purpose not trying to impress you. I am on purpose not playing a game. I am on purpose preaching just Jesus and Him crucified. I am on purpose coming to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I am on purpose trying to make sure that I'm not moving your emotions by the words that I speak, but I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work on the inside of you instead. Can I tell you something today? My wife and I travel with, most of you know this, but my wife and I travel with the drama team full time for over a year. We know how emotions work. We know, we learned how to, 
manage our skits to a point where you bring people to a high. And, and I'm not saying there's no purpose for it. Musicians, bands do the same thing. Music will do the same thing. You can bring people to a certain high emotionally, and then you can stop and make an abrupt change, and you can move those things around, and you can get people to a place where they can emotionally be moved in an easier way than any other way. And I'm not saying that if you can use that for the benefit of Christ, I'm not against it. But I want you to understand something. Paul said, I'm not doing that. I could tell you all kinds of stories. And I'm not against that either. I love people who can make people laugh. That's just not me. I tell jokes and people wonder, what was that? And then you laugh when I wasn't trying to be funny. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that's, that's the way I work. And I learned that a long time ago. So, so I, but I, I'm always impressed with people who can tell a story, get you laughing. I, I love that. I love being in meetings like that. I love being in meetings where people can pack some emotional punch and, and tell a story that will just have tears running down your face and, and then kind of come up and pick that up and weave it all together. In the end, I can, I can almost stand in awe of things like that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. All I'm telling you is Paul said, I'm not doing any of that. Paul said, all I'm telling you is Jesus and him crucified. I'm on purpose setting all those other things aside that I could do, and he could have done it. He had learned to do it. He had been schooled to do it. He said, I'm laying all those other things aside because all I want you to do is see Jesus. Do you know why? Because tomorrow morning at 3 a.m., when you wake up and all you can do is think about everything that's going wrong, there's not going to be some emotional storyteller being able to weave some spin of some story to move your emotions. There's not going to be a band on the stage to play music for you. Now, granted, you might be able to put in something in your, in your iPad or, or, or run some music, but, but it's still different. What you're going to need to be getting, able to get a hold of tomorrow morning at 3 a.m. If, if your world falls apart is Jesus. Now, I, I probably read more books than the average Joe, and I love books, and good Christian books can change your life. But there comes that point where you've got to be able to get a hold of Jesus. I love church services. I love camp meetings. I love conferences. I don't think you can get too much of them, but you know what? You can't live in a camp meeting. You can't live in a church service, and you can't live in a revival all the time. At 3 o'clock in the morning when everything's going wrong, you've got to be able to get a hold of Jesus. Amen. And the good news is Jesus is there at 3 a.m. And all other times of the day. Because Jesus never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And that's why Paul said, I refuse to preach any. It didn't, didn't say he didn't know anything else. It says, I refuse. I will not preach anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because when we understand what that message means, that encompasses everything. The fact that Jesus shed his blood and died on the cross for all of our sins means that our sin debt has been removed from us. I no longer have to pay for all of the wrongs that I've done because Jesus has already paid for that. All I have to do is believe that and receive what he's done for me by grace through faith and my sins are forgiven and I'm free. Well, that's wonderful. But the good news is that then on the third day, Jesus rose again and he ascended then into heaven and promised that he's coming back for me. So that means that this world is not all there is. No matter how bad it is on any given day, because I know Jesus, this world is not my home. One day, I am going home and I will be with him forever in eternity. So no matter how bad this day or the next day or the next day may be, I'm not home yet. And I have a hope that's in me because Jesus died and Jesus rose again. Not only that, but because Jesus died and he rose again, he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. And his spirit now lives within every born-again child of God. And his spirit empowers me to do whatever I need to do, go wherever I need to go, be whatever I need to be for his glory. I already have that. I'm not trying to get that. I'm not trying to work it up, shout it up, dance it up, sing it up. I'm not trying to when I worship God, I'm not trying to get God to do anything. God has already done everything He ever needs to do for me. All I'm doing is receiving by grace through faith and thanking Him for what He's done, loving Him for what He's done, celebrating what He's done. That is what worship is for and that's what worship's about. I don't have to twist God's arm. I don't have to do anything more than what Jesus is already done. That's why if all I preach and all we ever know is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, we've got it all. Why is that so important? 
Because if you don't really know that, you're always going to be waiting for one more thing. One more movement. One more revival. One more great church meeting. One more great worship service. One more song. One more five-step revelation that somebody gives somebody in the prophetic. One, and I'm not against any of those things. But I don't have to have any of those things. Oh, I'd love to have them. I'm just saying I don't have to have one of those things. I have everything I ever need because God said I do. The Apostle Peter says everything you need pertaining to life and godliness, he has given it unto you. Well, I don't feel like I've got it. Through these exceedingly great and precious promises, we become partakers. You see, you just don't know what all you've got yet. But I'll tell you how you're going to receive it by understanding what Jesus has done. You're not going to get anything you've got because you're spiritual enough, holy enough, loud enough, quiet enough, pray enough, fast enough, go to church enough, do enough ministry. You're going to get it because Jesus has already been there. He's already paid the price. He's already finished the course. And he said, I'll give it to you. So Paul said, that's all I'm going to preach. Don't try to impress. You know why this game of trying to impress people will eventually destroy us? Because you can never be good enough. The minute that you think, "Woo, I got some great, I know, I know as a pastor, I know. The minute I think, I got something. God gave me a revelation. Bless the Lord. I'm going to post it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to write a book about it. And then I go to the bookstore next week and find out somebody else already had it six months ago. I'm behind the game. And that's okay. Still revelation from God. Still set me free. And I'm not trying to impress with my family. I love my family. I think I got the greatest family on earth. I'm sure you think the same thing about your family. I'm going to give you the privilege of being wrong. You might have second no. But you know what? I'm not trying to impress you with my family because if you look deep enough, long enough, you look at me long enough, you're going to find some imperfections. You're going to find some things that you're going to find me having a bad day every once in a while. Some of you in here already have me on one. You already know I can do it. You already know that. It's because I'm human. And so are you. So, you know, I'm not trying to impress you with my family and I'm not looking to be impressed. I'm not trying to impress you with my faith. Because you see, God didn't give me faith to impress you. God gave me faith to know Him. Listen, I'm about to say something very important. God does not give me a revelation to impress you. God gives me a revelation to know Him more. God did not bring insight into His Word so that I can impress you with it. God gives me insight into His Word so I can know Him better. You see, everything is about us knowing Him more and more so that, you see, when we know Him more, listen, 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 listen. When we know Him more, we show Him more. I'm going to say that again. When we know Him more, we show Him more. You can try all you want to show Him, but it will never work until you know Him. When we know Him more, we show Him more. That's why Paul said it's about Jesus. So stop trying to impress. Paul did. Focus on Jesus. That's been the message for weeks now. We must decrease. He must increase. We must decrease. He must increase. Get your focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. Have God confidence, not self-confidence. There is something, and I'm just, I I believe it's a good thing (laughs) to have confidence. As long as your confidence is in God and what he's done in your life, and who he's made you. If your confidence is strictly in yourself alone, then the Bible says that when we put our confidence in the arm of flesh, the arm of flesh will fail us. So have God confidence, not self-confidence. And that's what Paul's trying to say to the church. And then finally, when it says that he wanted to come not with all of the words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. I've always interpreted that verse, and it is a correct interpretation, but 
See, when, you're, when you are a certain, when you believe a certain way, you tend to read that into everything you read. If you don't believe that, just, just really try to be objective sometime and try not to read into whatever you're reading what you believe. Because I'm charismatic, Pentecostal, full gospel, spirit-filled, believe in the gifts, I've always read that verse to mean, well, I came to you in the demonstration of the spirit and power. Bless God, Paul. Yes, sir. You came in with miracles, signs, wonders, blazing glory, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. You were just pouring out Pentecostal power all over the people, and you wanted them to be in, you wanted them to see the Pentecost, bless the Lord. And I believe there's a level of truth to that. But when you actually read the language, because it wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek. When you actually read the language, Paul was actually talking about something else. That may have been a part of it, but it was deeper. Paul said, my, I came to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. Otherwise, he's saying, I'm letting my life speak. See, I'm not trying to impress you with words or actions. And you see, that makes sense because the Corinthian church lagged behind in no gift. That was one of their biggest problems. They worshiped the gifts instead of worshiping the giver. Man, they words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, tongues, all those things. That was running out their ears every service. Matter of fact, you couldn't get them to stop long enough to actually hear the word usually. They were so enamored with it. Paul had to bring, spend a whole chapter or two correcting, not saying it was wrong, but bringing some level of order and decency into the midst because they had so many gifts. So Paul wasn't obviously coming and saying, hey guys, I'm going to show you some more gifts. They, had, they knew all that stuff. They needed love. That's why Paul spent a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 saying, I could speak with the tongues of men and angels, but if I have not love, I'm nothing but noise. So I could prophesy all day long, but if I don't have love, I'm, not, I'm wasting time. And then he spent another whole chapter in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians saying, if you're going to move in the gifts, there's going to be some order to the way you move in the gifts. And gifts are fine, but there's got to be some order. The whole service can't be taken up with that, so boom, 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 boom. So what in the world was he saying then? I come to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. You know what one of the greatest evidences of power is? Being able to love people that you don't have any desire to love whatsoever. Now that takes some power. Being able to forgive somebody that doesn't deserve your forgiveness just because Jesus forgave you. I could prophesy all day long quicker than I could forgive. That takes some Holy Ghost power. Being able to give sacrificially when you're struggling yourself, that takes some power. And Paul's saying, look, I'm not trying to impress you with outward demonstrations. I'm going to demonstrate the Spirit in the life that I live. I want you to see Jesus. And isn't that really what we're aiming for? Do you, see, here's the thing. Western culture has made Christianity like itself. We build up people. We and I please don't misunderstand me. I, I realize that's the way it works. I've got my favorite teachers and preachers, just like you have your favorite teachers and preachers. And as long as they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's wonderful. But even this church, and this is a small church, what are you all looking towards right now? Where's everybody got their direction pointed? A what? It's a stage. It's a smaller stage, but yet it is a stage. And you're all listening to me. And before you were listening to me, you were listening to the band. Hopefully you were worshiping God and you forgot about the band and you forgot about who was up here. But in most cases, that isn't always a fact. When you go into a great auditorium for a great conference, where's everybody going to sit? And what are they going to look toward? The stage. And, and we're going to talk about all of our favorite authors and all of our favorite teachers and all of our favorite prophets and all of our favorite evangelists and all of our favorite pastors. And man, we can get all jazzed. I've got mine that I get jazzed up about. You've got yours that you get jazzed up about. And, and that's all good as far as it goes. But there is an underlying problem with that. The focus is supposed to be Jesus. Because that preacher teacher ain't following you home. Even I, I'm right here, but I ain't following you home. <laughs> you can call me at 3 and I'll talk to you and come over if you really need me. But I guarantee you that brother and sister so-and-so from L.A., they ain't getting on a plane flying out to you at 3 in the morning. Promise you. 
And that's not, they can't. But you know what? Jesus can. Jesus can. He's there at 3 a.m. And you see, here's the thing. We went and anybody today would say, look, we don't need a special mediator between us and God. I can pray directly to God. And that's true. But did you know that God can teach you as well? We don't have to have 20,000 evangelists and 10,000 prophets and, and 15,000 authors to teach us what God... And I, don't misunderstand me. Read all the books you can. Listen to all the teaching you can. That's great. But never misplace your security, your faith, and your loyalty. Understand that whether it's me or anybody else, we are only as good as far as we point you to Jesus. I'm only as good as far as I get you to put your dependence on Jesus. If I ever get to a point where I'm trying to get your dependence on me or on my ministry, then I'm missing the complete mark of what New Testament ministry is about. So Paul said, look guys, it's about Jesus. It's about him. And I'm going to demonstrate the Spirit by living this thing. I'm going to be transparent before you. And that's why the Apostle Paul, the great apostle of faith, could stand up and say, sometimes, guys, I've despaired of life itself. Did you know Paul said that? Paul said that. Paul said he despaired of life. Paul said there were times when he thought he wasn't going to make it through the night. Paul said there were times when he was so hard-pressed on every side, if it were left up to himself and his own physical flesh, they would have never made it out. Paul said that. Paul said, my whole life is being poured out on the altar of service as a drink offering before God. Paul said that. Please understand that Paul never tried to paint a picture of himself as being a super spiritual giant that had it all together. Paul said in Romans chapter 7 that this body of flesh is always giving me trouble. It's always trying to weigh me down. He came to a point and said, in my mind, in my spirit, I know what I ought to be doing, but I'm constantly struggling against the flesh. And so all our wonderful biblical commentators have said, well, that had to have been something Paul wrote before he was saved. I'm sure that Paul never dealt with that after he got saved. Why? No. No Christian would ever deal with that, would they? Every Christian in this room has dealt with that since they've been saved. That's normal life. And Paul was just talking about his normal life. And he said, that's why I carry a cross around. I have to crucify my flesh. Listen to this. He said, every single day of my life. So understand this. As long as you're breathing. Oh, you're going to love me today. You ready? As long as you're breathing, you're going to struggle. I'm not trying to be cute. It's just amazing how sometimes we think that we're going to get to some spiritual level of elevation where we're not going to be human anymore. Oh, there's a day coming, folks, but it's not on this side of eternity. Now, I did not say you couldn't have victory. You do have victory. I did not say you can't be healed. You can be healed. I did not say you can't be free. We absolutely can be free, and we should be free. But Paul told the church at Galatia that they had a battle. You have to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and don't let yourself be tangled up again with a yoke of bondage. He told the church at Ephesus that having done everything I can possibly do in my human strength to stand, i got to just simply stand there, having on the whole armor of God. He said, listen, guys, this isn't always easy but I as he said here's the thing Paul actually said this he said you know what I actually if I get my choice I go home right now he did say that not in those exact words but he said it he said it that would be far better but he said nevertheless for your benefit I know I'm going to stay around here for a little while. So this life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And that's the only way he could live it. And that's why there's victory in what I'm telling you today. If you get in your mind somehow that you're going to try to aim for a place where you're not ever going to battle temptation anymore, you're not ever going to struggle anymore, you're not ever going to feel alone anymore, you're not ever going to battle with sin anymore, you're not ever going to battle with weakness anymore, you're not ever, if you have that in your mind, you're going to live a life of continual frustration 
information bouncing from one thing to another thing to another thing. But if you'll get in your mind that this is part of the human struggle, it's part of life, it's part of where we are, and I know that my Redeemer lives, and I'll stand with Him on that day, and with His strength and His power, I will get through. And in the midst of going through, I will have victory, and I will have peace, not because I always feel like it, but because He has accomplished for me what I can never accomplish for myself. Paul says, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to come to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Well, where is it? It's in my life. I'm here. I'm breathing. I shouldn't be. (laughs) I'm walking with Jesus, and I shouldn't be. If everything should have gone how it would have gone, I wouldn't even be here today, but thank God I'm here, and that's the greatest demonstration of the Spirit and power. See, we've forgotten that your greatest demonstration of power is your testimony. What has God done in you? That's your greatest demonstration of the Spirit and power. And Paul said that's all that he would do. It's all he would live for. And finally, and this is probably as far as we'll get today, in verse 6 it says, However, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. He says they're all coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We are going to have to choose a side. See, the wisdom of this age, the wisdom of this world is coming to nothing. And it stands directly opposed to God. It stands directly opposed to His kingdom and His word and His principles. If you try... To find peace and hope and encouragement and victory in life by the wisdom of this age, you'll miss it. You gotta choose a side. You gotta decide where you're gonna stand and what you're gonna believe. Every day, the news, for me anyway, as a Christian, seems to get worse and worse. Every day the world around us seems to try to find a new way to thumb their nose at God and put away a little bit more of His directives and His Word. And it can be almost disheartening at times. But again, if I have in my mindset that my home is here and my joy is here, and my victory is here, and my peace is here, and everything, then that could be very disheartening. But see, the Bible actually tells me that this world will get worse and worse. Not better and better. The Bible actually said thousands of years ago that evil men will get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It says that there's coming a day, the prophet Isaiah said, It's coming a day when people will call right wrong and wrong right. I think we're there. We're literally, and I'm not saying just call it, people will genuinely in their heart think that right is wrong and wrong is right. The Bible said that. But having said all of that, Paul was not talking about the lost world. He was talking about the church world. Because this letter was to the church. And to the church world, he said, you can't follow the spirit of the age because it's coming to nothing. So what was he referring to? You know, the Bible says that also in the last days, people in the, the very chosen of God will heap up for themselves teachers having itching ears that will tell them what they're wanting to hear. The Bible talks about Jesus' greatest warning. Teaching this in times class has been a real benefit to me because it's, I don't know if it's what's done for the millennials, but it's really helped me because it's reminded me a lot of things. Jesus' greatest warning about the end times had nothing, I mean, he talked about earthquakes, he talked about hailstones, he talked about uh, epidemics, he talked about famines, he talked about wars and rumors of wars. He talked about all those things, but you know what he talked about most? Deception. False prophets, false Christ, and false teachers. He talked about that more than any of those other things. And the Bible says that in the last days, that as these times get going, there's going to be such a deception from the pits of hell that it would deceive, if possible, the very elect. 
So the Bible really tells us, you know what Jesus' word says was? Be on guard. Be alert. Be vigilant. Be steadfast. Did you know that it is a biblical thing? And I'm, hey, I'm teaching. So I'll tell you this for me. It is a biblical thing for every Christian to go home, take their Bible, and compare the notes of what I say with the Bible and make sure the Bible agrees with what I say. And if the Bible does not agree with what I say, you need to talk to me about that. Because let me tell you something. If the Bible says one thing and I say another, guess who's wrong? (laughs) It's not the Bible. Now, I appreciate y'all's positive affirmation on that. Because that's what I want you to do. I also want you to do that with every teacher you listen to on TBN. I also want you to do that with everybody you pull down on social media. I also want you to do that with every author of every book that you read. You should. Test every single spirit to see if it's of God. Why? Because in the last days, there's going to be a lot of spirits going out in the world that are not of God. Teaching a false and different gospel than the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know one, I'll tell you one thing about the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus was not a gospel that focused on self. The gospel of Jesus was a gospel that focused on him. You know what the call of Jesus was to his New Testament church? Are you ready? I want you to put this on a, on a magnet and put it, put, it on a, put it on your refrigerator. You ready? Come and die. That literally was the call. Come and die. Come and die. Do you know what the Bible says the Spirit of God would equip the New Testament church for? And I'm talking about the very words of Jesus. Do you know what he said the Spirit of God would do? The apostle uh, Peter quoted it uh, through the prophet Joel. Jesus said it too. You know what the Spirit of God will equip you to do? Yes, brother, hallelujah. Prophesy, speak in tongues, do miracles, signs, wonders, healings, and worship better and all that. And that's all good, but that's not the main sign. said when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll become a witness unto me. In all Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the other... Do you know what the Spirit of God really came to equip us to do? To share Jesus' love everywhere we go. But let me tell you this. Do you know what that word witness really means? It means martyr. It means the Spirit of God comes to anoint and equip you to die every day on Jesus' behalf. And if you are ever called to physically give up your life for Jesus, as many Christians are in the Middle East every day that we live, he equips you to do that too. That's what the Spirit of God came to do. Oh, the Spirit of God will anoint you to prophesy. The Spirit of God will anoint you to to interpret tongues and speak in tongues and and do words of wisdom and words of knowledge and healings. And all that's good. And the Spirit of God will anoint you to do that, to be a blessing to other people. But the Spirit of God came to empower you to be a living martyr for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit always, 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 always points to Jesus and it always calls us to come and die. Because you see what happens when you die? (laughs) When you really die, the world holds nothing for you anymore. Now I'm going to be very blunt with you today. Because some of you may be struggling to say, well, uh, that's not me. I'm going to tell you, that's not me either. I haven't died enough yet. Because a lot of my life is about me. Now, I could lie to you this morning and tell you something different, but I don't think that would do any good. Uh, I'm just telling you the truth. A lot of my life is still about me. A lot of my day is still about me. A lot of my world still revolves around me. But Jesus called me to die to that so that all my life is about him. And why is this so important? Because that's where your victory is at. That's where your joy is at. That's where your peace is at. That's where your healing's at. That's where your power is at. When you lose yourself in Jesus, the enemy loses his... Oh, wait a minute. I didn't even plan on saying that. When you lose yourself in Jesus... The enemy, listen, listen, listen. When you lose yourself in Jesus, the enemy loses his leverage on you. But until you lose yourself in Jesus, the enemy always has some tab he can pull. 
And he knows exactly where to go to do it. How does he know? All he's got to do is watch you and listen. So when you lose yourself in Jesus, the enemy loses his leverage on you. I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't plan on saying that. And to my knowledge, I've never actually heard that before. So I really, now I might have and forgot it, but I really believe that's a word from the Lord for somebody in this room today. When you lose yourself in Jesus, the enemy loses his leverage on you. But until you do, he knows where to go. He knows the button to push. He knows exactly where to touch you to try to get you to back up, give up. But man, when you lose yourself in Jesus and this life is about him, not you, where does he go? What does he pull on? What does he have? We got to choose sides. We got to choose a side. This world's passing away. And all of it's lust and affections. So we need to choose the side. I pray that you choose the right one. Jesus has done everything to give you entrance. All you got to do is choose. Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're grateful for your life and your love, your freedom, your forgiveness, your joy, your peace. We're thankful for the blood that you shed on the cross to purchase our forgiveness. Lord God, we thank you that not only did you die, but Jesus, you rose again and you're coming again. Lord, this is not our home. We're grateful for this life We're grateful for all of the blessings and the freedom, particularly here in this land that we've been afforded. And we give you praise and honor and glory because every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from you. But God, today I pray that we would shift our focus and our eyes away from things, away from ourselves. And God, that's hard to do. It's hard for me to do. Lord, we're all in this boat together. Lord, every day we spend the majority of our time thinking about this is how I feel and this is where I'm going and this is what I think and this is what I want. God, I do that. So God, we're all here together. But Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we confess that even though we don't act like it all the time, even though I don't act like it all the time, Jesus, you're everything. Lord, I remember who I was before I let you find me. I remember easily who I am still when I forget whose I am. But when I try to live this life by myself, I know how broken and confused and anxious and fearful I can get. I know how depressed and oppressed I can quickly become when I forget whose I am. God, I pray that this would be the day, with your help, that we stop worrying about what anybody thinks about us, says about us, feels about us, anybody. It's up to you. Because no one else's opinion matters. Because no one else can save us. No one else can free us. No one else can change us, empower us, or deliver us. So Jesus, we simply look to you. And we pray today that, Lord, our life would be swallowed up with Christ and God. Because then we know that when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we'll also appear with you. That's your promise. I pray that we would have God confidence, not self-confidence. Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, I can. But God, I can't do anything apart from you. Nothing at all. You're my breath, you're my life, and you're my strength. God, I pray that we would live this life transparently. That we would demonstrate the power of your spirit by the love that we give away, by the forgiveness that we grant, by the grace that we show, 
by the holiness that we live by. Not to rub it in anyone else's face, but just to be free. And Lord, that by our very freedom, it would cause people's appetite to be hungry for the Jesus that we follow. And God, I pray today that we would truly choose a side. And Lord, I pray that we would choose you to know you, to love you, to walk with you, to let you do in our lives what you desire to do. We welcome the work of the Holy Spirit today in our hearts and our lives. Speak to us, transform us, change us in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed in this room, if you've come into this place today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never asked Him to be your Lord, to forgive your sins, you, you may know about Him, you may know His name, you may know the stories about His life, but you don't know Him. You're not walking with Him. You can Jesus paid the most unbelievable price. He gave up everything so that you could have freedom, so that you could have peace, so that you could have His love. And His love is what frees you. That's the only thing I've got to offer you today. I'm not here to beat you up. I could talk about sin, and there's such a thing as sin. Everything we, everything we do that doesn't originate from God is sin. Even good things that we do that don't originate from God, biblically defined, is sin. So we sin a lot. And every sin we commit is enough to keep us separated forever from God. If it, if, if, if it weren't for Jesus, <laughs> if it weren't for His blood. But Jesus' blood says, no, for this many as receive me, to them I give power and authority to become the children of God. I give them the power. I give them the authority. My blood is enough. My love is enough. And my love will free you. And I'm here to offer you that today. If you need to give your heart to Jesus and receive his love for the first time, would you lift your hand anywhere in this room? You've never done that, but you would love to do that today. Before I pray about anything else, I'd love to pray for you. If you've never done that and you want to do it now, would you lift your hand anywhere in this room? Okay, then secondly, you're a Christian and you've tried to live for God, but all you feel like you ever do is fail. I know there's some people like that in this room today. And sometimes it makes you not even want to try the next time. Now you put on the right face. Nobody knows that but you. Everybody around you may think that you've got everything going. And that you're strong. The truth is you know that you're not. There's one other person who knows that. God knows that. And you know what? I believe that one of the reasons this message came forth is because he wants you to know you don't have to try to impress him. What in the world would you ever do to impress the God of the universe? He spoke planets and galaxies into existence. What in the world am I going to do to impress him? Do you know the only thing the Bible has ever said that impressed the Lord? Faith. Faith that trusts that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he'll do. Just faith. Trust in His Word. That's all He's looking for. And if you just feel like, man, i failed so much, I don't know if I've got the strength to even try this thing again. I feel like everything I do is wrong. Everywhere I turn is wrong. Everything I say is wrong. I just, and I'm tired. I know everybody thinks I've got it together. But the truth is I don't. Well, God knows you don't. And you know what? He loves you anyway. He knew before He ever called you, anointed you, equipped you, or forgave you that you would be where you are today. Yet He called you, anointed you, equipped you, and forgave you. Because He's going to get you past today. And it's going to be Him, not you. Just like it's always Him. And it always has been Him. He loves you. And He don't want you to throw in the towel. He don't want you to give up. Because He's got some good things ahead of you. But you're going to have to let Him do it. You're only wearing yourself out. I'm telling you, you're wearing yourself out. You know it. You are wearing yourself so thin, <laughs> you can barely breathe. But God's saying, you don't have to do that anymore. I'll, I'll free you. you. You can't impress me. I just love you. Isn't that enough? Isn't that really what you want anyway? Isn't that what we've been living for? That kind of love? Isn't that what sets us free? It is. If you need to receive that today and you're that person, or maybe there's more than one. Man, you're just at a place where I keep trying, I keep failing. I don't know if I'm on. I don't, I don't have the strength to try again.
You know what? God knew you were here today. He loves you. He said, hey, all you got to do is reach out and trust me. I got this. I'll take you where you need to go. Just trust me. Trust me. Let me have this thing. Let me have it. Choose a side. If you need to give some things to Jesus, you need to reach out and take his hand instead of letting go and giving up. But you're so tired. I'm telling you, the Spirit's right there right now to give you the strength. If you need to do that, would you lift your hand anywhere in this room today? Okay? 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 Anybody else, you know God's speaking to you. I, I, hey, other people may think you've got it all together and you've worked hard so that they would. I understand that. I understand. But Jesus knows. And He loves you. You don't have to play that part anymore. You don't have to try to get on the stage and fulfill that role anymore. Just let Jesus have your stuff. Let Him heal your stuff. Let Him make you whole again. It's always been about Him. It always has been. And it always will be. Anybody else, you know God's speaking to you. You didn't raise your hand a moment ago, but you want to now. Before we pray, anybody else, just real quick. Okay? Okay? Anybody else? You know God's speaking to you. That's how you came in here this morning, but you don't have to leave that way. Anybody else, just real quick. Okay, let's stand across the room. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up each one whose hands just went up in response to your word. In response to the Holy Spirit tugging at their hearts today. You know exactly where we are at every moment of our lives. We can't, I, I can't even begin to understand the depths of your love. Lord, if it were up to me, I would have given up on me a thousand times and a long time ago. But I'm so glad that you didn't. And I'm so glad that you never will. And Lord, we put our faith and our hope and our trust in you. Jesus, we welcome you through your spirit to begin to heal, deliver, remove those things, the, the hurts, the pains, the frustration, the confusion, the fear. Lord, all of the things that have stood between each individual who raised their hand, trying to block your love for them, trying to, to hinder the reception of your grace and your mercy. Father God, I thank you for freeing them today. I thank you, God, that as they reached out their hand, they grabbed hold of yours. And Father God, I thank you that your hand is strong enough to lift them up and out of where they are and bring them where you want them to be, the, where you can only take them. And Lord, I ask for you to free them, encourage them, strengthen them, and empower them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you today. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'll hang around as long as you need us to. Otherwise, we're going to let you go. Be blessed and go in the grace of God. Family night tonight. No services here tonight.